Welcome back to another episode of the Scared Stiff Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Pomotello. Here, returning to the podcast, is Dalen Lane. Welcome back, Dalen. Hello, hello. So pleased to be back with you all. Happy New Year's, your first time back in 2024. That's right. Happy New Year. Or as uh, Larry David would say, you can't say Happy New Year after the 7th anymore. But we're we're breaking those rules. So Happy New Year. Oh, then we're in trouble because by the time this airs, we're going to be well past the 7th. <laughs> <laughs> well, Happy Chinese New Year. It'll be yeah. Chinese New Year by the time it airs. So And then Rosh Hashanah. Yes, there you go. You could yeah. say it all year long. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Halloween is the Celtic um, New Year, so man, I stick with it. I stick with my Happy New Year. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how is your 2024 been? Uh, so far, it's been pretty good, I guess. You know, wish I uh, had more free time, but well, all is good. How about yourself? It's going very well. I've been busy on bunch of different projects. So I've been very productive. You're always busy. You're always working on something. I don't really know how you do it. I just am ready to sleep all the time. Yeah, it's, um, it's taxing, but it's an it's an enjoyment. So it I really enjoy staying up to 4am <laughs> color correcting a scene. It, it's yeah, it's it's a strange world, but I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm often also up at 4 a.m., but it's yelling at the cats to please shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so next time you're yelling at the cats at 4 a.m., give me a call. I might be awake. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll chat horror movies. <laughs> we'll, we'll do. <laughs> so you have any filmmaking resolutions for 2024, or if not filmmaking, any horror resolutions? Horror resolutions are uh, going to horror conventions this year. I took a, quite a breather from going to conventions in general. And this year, actually, it was really important to me to get back into doing that. So I'm already planning a few. I may even see you at a few of them. So that's kind of the biggest thing. And then uh, I'm working on some spooky art as well. So I might even have a table at a convention later on in the year. So that's kind of where... I am. What about you? Yeah, I try to build upon last year. I hit all my resolutions last year. I'm just trying to expand upon that. Way you know, to go. Something That's amazing that, that you hit all the resolutions. Sorry. Yeah, no, I guess my, my big one this year is to really kind of foster those positive relationships that I made in the past year. And, you know, in previous years, I think I just want to really want to focus on positive people. That's a great resolution. And also another a bonus resolution is I would love to get everyone involved uh, from Halloween candy for a screening. I would love to, to see everyone again and have a little reunion and get to watch the movie together. So that's the other thing. Yeah, I definitely want to do a screening, a private screening with the cast and crew when the movie's ready. Yeah, so, that's going to be really nice. I will help your resolution come true. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited. I miss everyone. Yeah, me too. So yeah, I just want to really keep these people, keep pushing each other. Yeah. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. such a challenging field that when you get a positive person that's dedicated, you know, you really want to push them. They help push you and just really foster and strengthen those relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And totally. on the other end, 
get rid of the toxic relationships. Yeah, there you go. PMA. There, there's, yeah, there's enough challenges in the field that if someone is going to sabotage or negatively affect what you're doing, give them the X. Yeah, I think also as we get older, we become more aware of those in our lives who really benefit us and who we can benefit and, and help. And, you know, I think it's important that you nurture those relationships and, and do focus on those. So I like where you're going with your resolutions. Yeah, absolutely. So today we have a new themed episode. We are going to do winter horror movies. Yes. We're going to discuss three different horror movies. And one thing we're going to do differently today, it's going to be a random selection. We have a hat full of about a dozen titles and we are going to pick three. I thought it'd be kind of fun. It's that way it is a surprise for the fans and a surprise for me and you. Yeah, I'm down. I like a good surprise. It's good to be prepared for podcasts, but I think sometimes it's fun just to say what's on the top of your head without overthinking it. Yeah, I hope I like these films. Yeah, so it's an experiment. This may crash and burn and we'll go back to <laughs> pre-selecting them. But I think this will be fun. It Look, it spices it up already for the new year. We're already coming at you with a bang. Absolutely. Changing things up. So I have in my hand the list of movies. So here's the thing. Do we announce them all three in advance or do we announce them right before we go into it? Keep people guessing. Oh, I don't know. Maybe let's do one first and then let's see how we feel. And then we can announce the other two. I think let's just do them one by one. You know what? I think if people made it this far, they'll yeah. wait around to hear what the next movie is going to be. I think so, too. Yeah, I like that. We have the best fans in the world, so I'm sure they'll stick around. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hopefully. all right, here we go. The first movie. Drum roll. Here it is. We are going to discuss Frozen. Ooh. A great right. musical by Disney came out. Oh, wait. <laughs> Wrong Frozen. <laughs> this Frozen is a 2010 film by Adam Green. It's a fun, it's a pretty simple film, uh, but it moves quite quickly, not too long. And uh, this is really a perfect winter film. Yeah, I agree. It is uncomfortable. For those that don't know, it's about three friends that kind of cheat their way into a lift ticket. They bribe the guy that runs the ski lift and he lets them on. Mm -hmm. And... They get stuck up there. And since they snuck on, nobody knows that they're up there. And so they close down the ski resort for the weekend or for the week. And they're stuck up there. Yeah. No way to get down. The main stars are Sean Ashmore, Emma Bell, and Kevin Zegers. And fun fact, as soon as I watched this film and I saw Sean Ashmore was in it, I immediately got so excited because in X-Men, he plays the Iceman. So it felt so complimentary that he's in another kind of frozen atmosphere, even though he doesn't control this one. But I really appreciated that. And also Kevin Zegers was in, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, um, but the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I really hope that at least there was some conscious decision because of Iceman to let Sean Ashmore play Joe. I'm sure he deserved it, but it's kind of yeah. fun to think maybe maybe there was some connection. They're like, okay, he was Iceman. This could be kind of fun to now see him 
on the other end of the the ice spectrum. Yeah, I know. I want to believe also that they were like, you did such a good job, you know, making things really cold and icy. Let's put you in the actual environment and see how you do. And he doesn't do that well. Yeah. So I want to hear, what are your opinions on Frozen? So I don't think that this is a super complex film, which isn't a bad thing. Sometimes you just want easy viewing. But I think it's a really fun film to watch alone, to watch with friends, uh, especially if you are a fan of skiing. Like personally, I am not. Um, Nothing wrong with it. I just, it kind of actually does scare me. I once was on a ski trip in uh, high school. And while folks were on the bunny slope, I was kind of watching them and someone fell and uh, she broke her leg just from falling on her ski. So I was like, that's enough for me. I'm good. Uh, so it felt quite realistic. I definitely, even while watching it, I felt cold. It's a bit visceral. There are definitely certain moments that that pleasantly took me by surprise. So yeah, I, I overall really do enjoy this film. I would even go as far as to say it's not on my list of like must rewatch. However, I could see myself rewatching this film happily. Like this is a film I would want to show a friend who maybe isn't super into even horror because there's that realistic aspect of it. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm team frozen in this. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm with you. I love the characters and I love the dialogue. So even before they get on the ski lift, they made all three characters were likable. They were fun. It's someone you want to spend 90 minutes with. And a good hour of the movie is them stuck up on the ski lift. And it never dragged. It never felt boring. Like it was compelling the entire time. And so you have three characters sitting, talking for an hour. But man, it was compelling. Yeah. And there's a nice little cameo by Kane Hodder in it. I'm not sure actually what the machine, I guess a snowplow was, is that a different type of machine that maybe he was driving, but he has a very quick cameo where he is driving a snowplow and they're, they're trying to get his attention and throwing things at him. And of course he doesn't realize it. And, uh, I, I like the word actually that you used compelling every single one of these characters you're genuinely rooting for. You, you kind of know that they all can't probably make it, but you're definitely hoping that they do there are moments where there's a chance for them so yeah i really like this film and i like how it ends which i i am not i'm really hard on horror endings personally but i really like how this one ends yeah back to the the kane hodder appearance him and adam green have created a great director actor relationship i know kane hodder has credited adam green for reinventing his career you know, from mm -hmm. the Hatchet movies. So I w it was really cool to see Kane in this role, in this yeah. movie. It's a pivotal role. He could have saved the day if he happened to notice the ski equipment they were throwing down at him. <laughs> it's such a well-done, frustrating scene because it's... I don't know if you agree, maybe, but I definitely, while watching it, was like, he has to see them. He has to notice, even though the machine is so loud. Come on, you have to notice. And then he just doesn't. And you're so frustrated and sad for these three characters. Yeah. Another cameo is D. Snyder. Not visually, but he's the PA announcer announcing that the park is closing. Get out of here. Yeah. What? And I believe there was somebody wearing a D. Snyder shirt at one point. So I don't know if they're friends or if he's a big fan, but it's kind of cool. Was this, do you know if this was maybe filmed? 
like in the New York area? I wonder it, if it was. It was filmed in Utah. Oh, okay. It was yeah. not. It took place in Vermont, but filmed in Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, nice little tidbit. What did you uh do you have a favorite scene from the film? Uh I will say favorite, but the ones that stand out to me, when her skin gets stuck to the ski lift because she falls asleep and her hand was on it and her hand gets stuck to it. I felt that. Yeah. Yeah. I assume people listening probably watched it by now. If not, I apologize for ruining the movie. But a lot happens. They're not just sitting there talking. They try to escape. The big villain in this movie, I guess, are the wolves mm-hmm. that are. I don't know if there's wolves in Vermont. That's the only thing. Probably. I'm sure that there have to be. I think wolves were eradicated in Vermont in the early 1900s because they were killing the livestock. But it's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I forgive. If that's not the case, I forgive it. But also, yeah. wouldn't the the wolves attack the maintenance workers, or wouldn't they attach attack the skiers while the place was open? Well, not necessarily. I think it it depends on their environment, right? They, you know, I think it depends on their level of hunger, and also they're. I think they can at times be easily scared. So in this instance, the particular scene that we're talking about. One of uh, actually Kevin Zeger's character, he jumps off the ski lift. He thinks I can probably make it to the ground and make it. And then I can run and get help. And very quickly, he breaks a lot of bones and can't move and the wolves come out. So I think the idea is that they're probably hungry. There's a whole pack of them. So there's more power in the the pack. Um, Whereas during the day, there's all the lights, there's all the noise. So they're not going to necessarily just attack people. I think wolves are really smart too in terms of knowing their surroundings. So I don't think so, but but I mean, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if it has happened where you've seen a wolf like at a ski lodge, but I think they can get scared too. Either way, I forgive it because I really enjoyed the movie. So certain mm-hmm. things like that, I'm I'm happy to suspend my disbelief because I really like the movie. Actually, that wolf scene, I feel terrible saying this, but I was also laughing during it because it was in part so uncomfortable, but then also how he was yelling and the placement of his body and limbs. I don't know why, again, like I have a weird sense of humor maybe, but it really made me kind of chuckle, even though he did a good job and it's believable. But um, yeah, I feel weird that I laughed during that and I felt the need to share it. It's not really a funny scene. (laughs) It's dark humor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I understand. Yeah. But it was fun. I think they had a lot of things that were grounded in reality. For instance, most movies, you know, the hero jumps off the ski lift, he lands, he gets up and runs. This one, guy jumps off the ski lift, compound fracture in both legs, can't even yeah. move, which is probably in reality. If you had a 50 foot drop, you probably are, you're not going to get up and run away. You're going to be feeling it. Yeah. And then also, I was the only thing in it that I found particularly unbelievable, although, again, same to you, I was like, ah, it's fine, I'll allow it, was when Sean Ashmore's character, he ends up climbing the ski lift, the wires, and at this point, they've already been stuck for two two days, I think, approximately, right. um, in this frozen weather, and he manages to, like, 
climb all the way through, but they're dealing already with frostbite. So that felt a bit like it didn't quite make sense. I didn't think that his fingers, like the hands would work as well as they, they did, but you know, it was kind of a cool scene as well. I don't get why he didn't try to shimmy, you know, kick your legs up, wrap your legs around much better chance that way. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe maybe they figure that someone will come back. You know, usually you have maintenance crews mm-hmm. working on ski lifts when it's closed. So yeah. they probably assume somebody would come. So they tried to let's make it through the night. And then in the morning, someone will come save us. And then when they realize no one's coming, they're like, OK, we're going to have to try to get out of here. Yeah. Actually, one of the most dramatic scenes in the movie is when the wolves do show up and they start devouring. Was it Dan? Mm hmm. And Joe saying, cover your ears, don't listen, don't listen, because she's listening to her boyfriend just getting devoured. That was that was intense. Yeah, that was heart wrenching. I mean, that's why, like, it felt very realistic. I feel like people would say that, you know, I would want someone to tell me that, even though I would need to to watch to believe what is actually happening before my eyes. But, yeah, I I think that scene was not only well written, but very well acted. Yeah, I'd be yelling, establish dominant Dalen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't. Uh, Growl back at him. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you find the ending for Emma Bell believable? That she... That she is, makes is, it the way in which she does... After the lift kind of breaks. So, yeah, I guess oh, gotcha. years after the lift, it becomes somewhat unhinged and it it collapses, but she ends up making it and she actually is able to get to the road. The wolves kind of happen to ignore her because they're still devouring the two other guys and someone does find her in the middle of the road and she she survives. And I feel like that's possible. Um, again, didn't really have a problem with it, but I'm curious kind of how you feel about it. Well, I'm glad someone survived or else it's kind of like, why are we watching this? We're just watching people get picked off. Like, you know, it's a, the movie's about survival. Yeah. I think if one of them survives, you know, it was kind of their, this journey was worth it. it ends up being like her story of survival. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm glad that one character made it out. Yeah. But man, well, what kind of ski resort is this? A... They have faulty ski lifts that one of them just falls from the sky and, yeah. <laughs> and there's nobody there during off days to do maintenance that nobody noticed them up there. This is why I won't do it. This is why I won't ski. Yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. Are you a good skier? No, I won't do it. I won't go. Even yeah. that and baseball. When people ask me to go to baseball games with them, no thanks. If they want me to go skiing with them, also no thanks. I will be home in my pajamas watching Frozen. <laughs> yeah. Probably safer watching Frozen than yeah. out there. Have you skied? Uh, not very well. A long okay. time ago. I found I went a few times and I wasn't very good. I was able to go past the bunny hill, like the next one up, whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was taking lessons and I found it was I was in college and especially as a college student, it was very and a very expensive thing to be falling on my ass. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. I totally understand it. Like I enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a big sledder. So oh. 
I, they have really good sledding hills in Vermont for those that can't stand up on skis. But I, I totally understand the enjoyment of it. You know, it's kind of fun to go to the cabin afterwards, make a fire. So, yeah. Yeah, I would like that part. Yeah. All right. So um, any other thoughts on Frozen? Fun. It's a fun film. I highly recommend it for those that are listening. Check it out on Tubi if you haven't seen it. Yeah. It's it's available and it's about 90 minutes. And I think you guys will like it. Yeah. All right. Ready for the next movie? Yes. Let's what go to the magic that? cat here. Let's, oh, boy. Let's shake it up. Let's see what we got. All right. The next film we're going to discuss is 30 Days of Night. Oh, hell yeah. I love this film. I'm really excited. I actually just watched it for the first time yesterday. Just in case we happen to get... I watched everything. We both watched everything that's in the Magic Hat. This is the mm -hmm. one I didn't watch it, but I happened to watch it yesterday. So I'm glad I spent the time to do it. Me too. Or else I'd have nothing to say. I cannot wait to hear your opinion. Whether you loved or hate it, I, I cannot wait to actually hear what you think as a newbie watcher of this film. So quick notes I jotted down. But again, I don't have notes for other movies, but I did write down notes about like who starred and who directed. So we you know mm -hmm. give everyone the credit. This is directed by David Slade, mm -hmm. starring Josh Hartnett, Melissa George, Danny Huston, and Ben Foster. Yeah. So did you read the graphic novel? Are you familiar with this before you watched the I movie? I did. Yes. So I read the graphic novel as well. I own it. I also love it. And I just think this film is very well done. While maybe not everything is perfectly aligned with the graphic novel, I do feel like it's it's quite closely aligned. So as a fan of the graphic novel, I'm really pleased with how it came to play on film. And those that don't know, it takes place in Alaska where it is night for 30 straight days which makes it a fitting spot for vampires to make that their home for the month. Yeah. Like, or they can vacation. Yeah. If you like dark, go to Barrow, Alaska. Yeah. I thought it was really fun. You know, the vampires, they kind of remind me of the vampires from I am legend, which came out the following year. You know, they're not your traditional, you know, sweet talking you know, vampires that, use their their, the their their charm their intrigue to attract yeah. victims like these yeah. are more animalistic they're going to go after you they're not going to talk to you they're just going to attack yeah i think danny houston in this just annihilates this role he is just so cutthroat and ruthless and while these vampires they speak in their own language of of shrieks and screams and howls danny houston does also speak there is clearly a vamp language associated with the film but he's the only one who really does much of the speaking and there are just some lines that are so simple and so powerful like the line about god and there is no god because now the vampires are there and uh yeah i just i love ben foster in this too um yeah i just think everyone did such a great job and josh hartnett i will watch josh hartnett in anything just love him but he is so good in this role and he plays um a cop um 
and he's trying to protect the, the residents who have chosen to stay for these 30 days. A lot of the people have chosen to leave. Understandably, they can't survive without the sun. You know, it can it can cause a lot of like in reality that can cause a lot of mental distress. Um, and there are just less supplies. So a lot of people in the town have left. And so he's watching uh, the town along with his somewhat estranged wife and his partner as as well. And uh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I thought the Ben Foster character, the stranger, was interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a clear nod to Renfield. Yes. And you see him, when the first time you see him, he's walking from this boat. Or there's a boat that's been abandoned. It's just kind of floating out in sea. Mm-hmm. And he has he's kind of giving warnings to everyone. I think they arrest him, put him in jail. And he's kind of that that Renfield character, but not not like the goofy character of Renfield. But he's kind of doing bidding for the vampires. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very interesting. His the the way he spoke was very original. He had a very distinct speaking pattern, which is I'm not gonna try to imitate. But for those that saw it, know what I'm talking about. It's it, it's so funny because I've seen this film so many times, and the first time I ever watched it, I really didn't like the way in which he chose to speak and present language, but it's really grown on me and, and same. I feel like it's, it's very original and just how he's introduced, just also how mean he is with the intent of just being changed into a vampire. And also when you first meet him as well, you meet him because he's killed all the town dogs. So there, I just feel like it's very smart and unique. And this is also I do want to say for folks who haven't seen it, this one is not maybe an easy film. This is definitely a very violent, a very gory, you know, this one has intent. So uh, again, like not suitable for little kids. Yeah. Like the first 30 minutes, there's a lot of good character building and you're introduced to everyone and you see that Josh Hartnett's character is really good hearted. Mm -hmm. You know, like at the beginning, he's going to give that guy a ticket. Yeah. But he still gives it to him because he wants the guy to feel like he's part of the community. Mm-hmm. So it shows you that he he's a good cop, but he has a heart. So you, they're doing a lot to build the characters in the first half hour. Yeah. Until we still the vampires arrive and it's pretty much survival for the rest of the movie. It's chaos. And there's this one scene that is an aerial overview of of this little town when the vampires finally actually take action and this is something that as a fan of the graphic novel this is also in the print version uh you know it's it's illustrated and seeing this come to life was it's just even to this day like i also rewatched it for i don't know how many times and it still gets me after all these years of watching it, after all these times. I just think it's so beautifully done. It's so cinematic and it's so underrated. I feel like this has become a cult film, which is awesome. And it's really beloved now. But that particular scene is just gorgeous. The movie is beautiful. And amazingly, I did look up to see where it was filmed because it, it, it looks like you're in Alaska. Amazingly, they filmed that movie in New Zealand. So many films are done in New Zealand. I think just because of all the, like, everything is so crisp there, it must be. It's so beautiful. Yeah, so all that snow was was fake, which is amazing 
Yeah, no, I, it's kind of heartbreaking. Oh. I know. Do I should I should no. I stop talking? I don't want to ruin the movie for you. No, no, no. I, I always love your facts, so that's very cool. I can't even believe that it was. I can't believe. I'm genuinely like flabbergasted that it was not all real or that none of it was actually real because it looks again similar to Frozen. Watching that film, like you feel cold watching it. It looks so real. The snow eventually over time is is like in their beards and on their faces and, you know, it's all in their jackets and stuff. And it just looks so freezing. So that's incredible. Yeah, I know it was a combination of like, what are they, some sort of powder? And then they did scene extensions and CGI. But this thing looks like this was shot where they shot the thing just like it blew my mind when I read that it was shot in New Zealand. Yeah. And it's funny that you brought up I Am Legend because I, I don't know if you know this, but the voices. So I Am Legend, those I always thought that they're kind of like zombies, not really vampires, but I guess they're this weird combination of a of a character, if you will. But they have very particular yells and screams and shrieks as well. Mike Patton actually did some of the vocal work. He's from Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, uh, a renowned vocalist. And I actually thought that he did the voices for this as well, but but he did not. Um, but I was looking up who did it and I, I actually couldn't find it today. But yeah, those those also like stick with you. Those sounds. Yeah. Then it was a, a really clever ending. Again, skip ahead a couple of minutes if you guys haven't watched it and plan on watching it. But Josh Hartnett's character, Evan, he's fighting the alpha vampire and realizes he won't be able to beat him. He, the vampire is just too strong. So he takes someone that just died that was a vampire and he injects that blood right into his arm. So he gets the vampire strength. And he fights and he's able to overcome the vampire. And all the other vampires kind of watch because it's their alpha fighting. So they all kind of watch Eben fighting the vampire and, you know, Eben wins. And then at the very end, it's the 30th day. It's him and his, his I guess they're not, they're not divorced, but his estranged yeah. wife. Mm -hmm. And they're watching the sunrise and you see him slowly burning in her arms. What a visual. That was cool. Uh I love the way that it ends so much. I mean, so as your first time, would you recommend this film? I think most horror fans would enjoy it. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I didn't like is the Wilhelm scream that they threw in there. I thought that kind of took me out of it for a minute. Because it's not a movie that you would have a Wilhelm scream. You know, usually that's for yeah. like an action movie, something that's fun. Right. I, I, I actually had to rewind it for a second. I'm like... Uh. I'm like, did I just hear the Wilhelm scream in this like dramatic fight scene? And they did. They used it. You know, it's, I think that you honestly, I feel like in my brain, I'm so used to hearing it that when I hear it, I, it doesn't even resonate really. But for you as a filmmaker, of course, you would notice it. And I can understand that it would bug you a bit. Yeah. I felt like this would actually make a pretty good miniseries. Not everything needs to be miniseries. I just felt that this, it took place in for 30 days. And I think this could make a, a great miniseries and aspect that we're seeing more of a survival. I felt to have 30 days go by in 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. We missed a lot of their struggle because there's, there's there's a lot more struggle that we didn't see. It's like, how are they getting food? How are they sleeping? Is, is somebody staying up to watch to make sure that there's no vampires around? You know, I would love to see more of it. And maybe in the graphic novel, there's, maybe they go into more detail. A little bit, but I mean, I think, you know, when they're, they do, some of the survivors do go into hiding, which is essentially in a very well hidden attic, but 
this I don't really want to spoil, but there's a very interesting twist to to this. But they eventually do have to leave this space because the vampires are coming and kind of like scouting and going through everything. And, you know, they're vampires. They will smell you eventually. Um, so they do have to move around and they do end up at a store um, with supplies where there's a little girl vampire. So that said, to your point, I... I don't want this to become a series because I love this film so much and I hate when things become a series. That said, I kind of wish this had started as a series because there are additional characters in this and they have very clear storylines, but they're these like snippets of storylines. You don't really get to the meat of what's going on with them. And I would have, I, that would have been really interesting. Yeah. Any, any last words? I, I thought it was great. You apparently love it. So do you have anything else you want to add? I love it. I think if you're into vampires, if you are into gory films, you know, I think that it's just very well done. And yeah, especially if you haven't seen it, go see it. I, yeah, like Doug said, I love this film, so I'm, I'm biased, but I just genuinely think it's a very much a well done film. Again, this one's also on Tubi as of today, so check it out and as well as there there's a sequel or is there there's three of them is there i think just a sequel which is not as good okay. yeah <laughs> so and tubi will automatically play the sequel though so if you don't want to watch the sequel just make sure you shut it off at the credits gotcha so take a look see 30 days of night so you're ready for our next movie third and final here we go Shaking up the magic cat. Oh, man. I'm kind of nervous. I know. What could it be? Oh, look what we got. I think you're going to be happy with this one. Not exactly a horror film, but in the realm, we have Edward Scissorhands. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> this is a lovely surprise. Yes, I'm very here to talk about this film. 1990. Directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, Anthony Michael Hall, Diane Weist, and Robert Olivieri. And Alan Arkin. Oh, my God. Sorry, Alan Arkin. I tried to go off the top of my head. It's not a good idea. How did I, how did I forget Alan Arkin? And Vincent Price. How dare you? Are you even a horror fan? Well, he's a cameo. <sighs> Although he's an important cameo, but yeah. There's there's a lot there's actually a lot of people that if you watch this movie you'll recognize from yeah. that became more famous later on but such a wonderful cast such a like a perfect film yeah well I hated this movie no I'm kidding no no I just wanted to see your oh. reaction it's one of my favorite movies as God. well God <laughs> oh I was oh my I was like I, I I can't even get words out I feel like you punked me so well. <laughs> 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 yes, let me let's hear your take. I know that this is one of your favorite movies as well. I can't even get my thoughts together. That was so well done. That punking. Um, yeah, I mean, I I genuinely think this is a perfect film, just at a basic level, even separate from the plot. Uh, beautiful. The the richness of the colors, the costumes, the makeup, the prosthetics. It's it's just such a visually refreshing, uh, delicious, tangible film about 
an artificial man who is very gentle at heart and in spirit, but is wildly misunderstood. And it's also a love story and it's a really sad one. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah. I think it's my favorite Tim Burton movie and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. Tim Burton movies that are great. I think this is my favorite. It's my favorite Danny Elfman composition. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite soundtracks in, in film history. Actually, the first collaboration of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that don't know, what would you call it? A, a fable, I would say. About. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone listening has probably seen this movie. I, I, sh- I shouldn't waste everyone's time describing this movie. And if you haven't seen it, watch it now before before listening to me and Dalen talk about the movie. So good. It's yeah. I mean, I think whatever we say won't do it any justice. Like, you know, and I think also Doug, you and I can talk about it for hours. Uh, It's just such really a lovely film. But yeah, it's about an artificial man who was created kind of as a son to Vincent Price, who's an inventor. And Vincent Price passes away before he properly completes Johnny Depp's character, who is Edward Scissorhands. And Edward is then left with scissors for hands and has to kind of navigate this life. Um, And it's really, it's also such a beloved gothic film, you know, it just touches on, I think regardless of how you feel about horror and culture and whatever, this is really a film for so many different people who love all different types of things. How sad is it that he sees the inventor die? He doesn't, he doesn't even know what death is. He tells um, Peg, he never woke up. He's like, he's, you know, pretty much everything he knows was taught to him by the inventor, you know? And so the inventor dies. He, he never leaves this castle. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what's out there. All he knows is what's in the castle. You know, So pure. And even when he meets humans, some of these humans just don't even treat him well at all. They're quite terrible to him. And he never loses that innocence. He never, he never stoops to humanity. You know, he just always stays very true to himself and genuine and loving and he's trying so hard to understand humans and he just wants to help. And it's just so sad. Ugh. There's so many parallels to Frankenstein. Yeah. He's created by an inventor and he learns who he is by the way people treat him. So, you know, Frankenstein was treated like a monster and he started acting like a monster. So, you know, as the movie goes on, people turn on Edward and he kind of becomes a monster. You know, they're, they're turning on him and they're, kind of attacking him and he starts to chop down the bushes of all the topiary he made and he pops the car tire because that's what he's they're treating him as that's all he knows is from the way people have treated him so it's definitely a frankenstein story like a modernized frankenstein story definitely and he's doing everything that he can to really benefit his community you know he's trying to help with the yard work of all of his neighbors. He starts giving haircuts to all the neighbors. He starts cutting all the dogs hair in, in, you know, their fur with that. And he's trying to help peg Diane Weiss character as well. Like, um, and then he also falls in love with Winona Ryder, who's Kim, but she is dating Anthony Michael Hall, who I don't know how you feel about him, but he's also like a eighties, nineties icon. And, um, 
he plays such a bad guy in this. And normally he plays like a very nerdy or pretty good dude. And he's just, oh, he just, uh, he gets under my skin so much in this, but he does such a good job of it. And, um, oh, it's so sad. I feel like Anthony Michael Hall should be chanting, Edward dies tonight. Edward <laughs> dies tonight. Absolutely. Well, yes. So you may know him from, from that film, of course. Um, <laughs> I kind of wish he did chant that as well. It would have been very, uh, it would have made sense. It'd be fun <laughs> for someone to edit one of those lines into Edward Scissorhands during the uh, mob scene. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Talk about the the ice dance scene. Oh, oh, oh my God. So yeah, so he ends up create. there are these ice sculptures that he's also trimming and he creates this little snow, a very localized snow storm, if you will. And Winona's character, Kim, starts dancing in it. And it's this beautiful scene of her twirling in this gorgeous white dress. And he carelessly nicks her with his, his scissor hands and she bleeds in that... Um, even though she's fine and she knows that it's an accident, as does her family, the town people do not. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall, who plays Jim, he thinks that it's an injury. But I, I don't know. Do you feel like he knows inside that it was an accident? Because I think he knows it's an accident, but he he weaponizes this to get everyone against Edward, to get him out of the, the, the town. Well, his character, Jim, Jim. he is jealous of of Edward. So I don't know if in his head he truly believes that Edward is evil or is he weaponizing? That's a good question. I've never actually thought of that. Hmm. You know, could be either I don't way. Think, yeah. I mean, I don't think he trusts him, but I think he knows that Edward is really naive and innocent and doesn't know anything. Like there's a whole scene where uh, Jim sets up to, steal from his own dad in his house and he brings edward along because edward just wants to be included and he lets edward take the fall for everything so i just think he he takes advantage of his very pure innocence um you know any way that he can it shows you edward didn't do anything wrong when he first arrived with esmeralda who just saw him because he was different, that he was evil. And she tried to plant the seed. He's evil. Don't let him tempt you. And everyone's like, ah, shut up, Esmeralda. Yeah. And then Jim gets jealous of Edward. Mm -hmm. And then we have that the one woman, her name has slipped my mind, when she tries to seduce Edward and Edward kind of turns her Joyce. down. Joyce. Yeah. Joyce. So she kind of turns everyone against Edward. So you have this whole group of people that create a mob to saying how evil he is and... It's a, it's a sad scene is he, he feels alone and he's and he's running back to his castle. Yeah, he gets chased out. He is chased back and Jim and Kim end up going to the castle as well. And Jim has an untimely death, which feels very much justified. But with that, Winona takes one of the inventors, Vincent Price's like stock scissor hands and comes out of the castle and as a means of protecting him knows that she's never going to see him again, but tells the people that he's dead as well. So they don't have to worry about him and the town people just go home and his lore lives on and you, and the snow never stops. That ice dance scene, such a beautiful scene. It's, it's kind of sad in a way that that is pretty much the end mm -hmm. of their happiness because yeah. right after that, 
is that you know she cuts her hand and the chase happens but that scene is so beautiful and there's one little thing that i watched the movie about a dozen times before i picked up on a little detail that heightens that scene so i had it on vhs and it was four by three so some of the picture was cut out and until i watched it on dvd in, in 16 by 9 i didn't realize that in kim's bedroom there's snow globes on her wall yeah. so she's uh-huh. never been around snow but clearly she has an affinity for snow because mm-hmm. of the snow globes so her dancing in the snow it's like her childhood her dream is coming true mm-hmm. which i think heightened the, the beauty of that scene and you know it's there's something that i thought about actually when i was re-watching this i feel like so kim also has a waterbed and i i know that waterbeds still exist but they're not very common anymore. But I felt like it was this interesting connection to the snow, the way that the water was exploding and the way that Ed- Edward kind of cuts the the yard, like does the yard work, but also was cutting through the ice sculptures to create the snow. Everything was always cascading around her, always cascading around him. And I just wondered if there was some sort of connection with the water, like the water bed as a starting point to the cascade of emotions that we're going to see. I'm all about that symbolism. And I feel like there has to be a reason why they chose a waterbed in particular. Cause if there was a man that had 10 knives, his fingers, why would you put him on a waterbed when you clearly have a pullout bed in the basement, which they put them yeah. on afterwards. Right, right. They could have easily also put this random stranger <laughs> down there the whole time. And they didn't. I spent way more time than I should have trying to figure out when exactly this movie took place. (laughs) And I think it was left ambiguous for a reason. That's why I think like a fable describes it well, because it's not realistic. You know, it's clearly modeled after the 50s. But some of the inventions they had were more modern. Like they mentioned the the forehead VCRs, which I know VCRs came out, I want to say like 76, but foreheads were a little later, which is Mm -hmm. in in the 80s. So it's not really realistic. And I think they purposely didn't give you a time period when this took place. Yeah. You know, like when he's on the television show, you know, they're black and white monitors are looking at, which clearly states, you know, 50s or 60s. The style is definitely very 50s. I love that you picked up on this because that's something too. I feel like it's such a strong period piece, but the period is never set. You don't actually know the year or the date range or anything, but it feels so strongly in that 50s area. Maybe even the 60s, maybe, but really like the 50s. Yeah. So because they mentioned VCRs, Mm -hmm. 76 is the absolute earliest that movie could have taken place. Meaning, you know, the prologue and the epilogue took place in the year, what, 2040, 2050? Mm-hmm. So it's a science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like the term that you used, fable, which I feel like you never really hear anymore. And I, I think that's a good, because, yeah, it's, you are introduced, the first thing in the film is an older Kim, Winona's character, who, by the way, is in such awesome old makeup. You know, it's clearly probably a lot of latex and whatnot, but it's so well done, whatever mask or or prosthetics that they used. And she is telling her granddaughter the story of of the snow and the town and this, you know, long lost love story that she also had. And uh, yeah, that's I love that you picked up and mentioned that. 
Did you by any chance watch the ballet that came out for this movie? No. Bam, the the Brooklyn Arts Museum, I think that's yeah. what it stands for. They had a ballet maybe about 15 years ago. And I checked it out. It's interesting. They, you know, of course there's no dialogue in a ballet, but they gave a little backstory to the inventor. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So it starts with him visiting his son's grave who passed away. And he brings scissors to cut flowers for the boy. And he's like crying, looking at the grave. And he he looks and he sees he's holding scissors. And he holds the scissors, and that's what gives him the idea to create a boy. Do you think if they had put that into the film, it would have changed your perspective on it? Well, I think it actually creates a little issue because in the movie, he's creating... The the scissors are just temporary until he puts the hands on. Yep. So, like, the scissors were never the final piece. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was kind of fun they added that for the, uh, for the, the ballet. Yeah, I, I know that there was supposed to be more with Vincent Price, but he was sick when they were filming yeah. it, so they pared it down. So I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a script out there that has more scenes with the inventor. Can we also just have a moment for for the scene where he passes away? He doesn't even say anything. It's just his face. It's just the expressions in his eyes. And it's so powerful. Like the caliber of acting that he did in this film in this very small role. Oh my God, it's so powerful. And it's so just blisteringly heartbreaking. And it makes it even more sad that the last image that we'll ever see a film of Vincent Price is, is him dying and lying dead on the floor. Yeah. To that music, that beautiful music. Oh. Yeah. That's what, so my, my partner for our wedding, that's what he actually walked down the aisle to was from Edward Scissorhands. Just fun fact. I remember that. Yeah. That's oh, so fitting. So good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love that. So what do you think Edward is? Is, is he human or is he a robot? What, what are you thinking? No, I think he's definitely a robot. I think that's why when you're seeing the different types of robots that Vincent Price's character is utilizing in in his castle, which is also like a a warehouse slash factory. So you see that this robot has is like chopping up stuff. And that's where it kind of inspires him. And he's holding up this little heart emblem and gets the idea of creating something off of it. So I think that it's some type of robot that he was able to like, I think in my brain, there was probably going to be so much more that would go into Edward and he probably wouldn't have even been such an innocent character or anything. And, um, you know, all of that stopped. But um, do you think that he's something else? It's interesting that you mentioned that because I forgot about that. He's he what gives him in the movie, what gives him the idea to make Edward is he he has a cookie making machine mm-hmm. and he holds up the cookie that's shaped like a heart. And it happens to be in front of this machine that looks like a person, like a mm-hmm. humanoid shaped machine. In the movie, that's what gives him the idea to make the cookie. The ballet, it's he lost his son. They get a little more of an emotional connection while he wants to create a boy. But I always felt there was some human aspect. So I I was thinking, you know, the Frankenstein story, maybe he took body parts because Edward does have some aspects like he bleeds. You know, when he cuts himself by accident, he bleeds or he he scars. So he has actual tissue. And then there was the one scene when he, the dad gives him alcohol. I love, oh my God, I love that scene so much. And he gets drunk 
fairly instantly and passes out. So I'm guessing maybe he doesn't have a liver or he it's, you know, it doesn't work properly. Yeah. So I assume he's created, but maybe, maybe he's a cyborg, like not a cyborg in the sci-fi aspect, but he's a robot that has human organs. That's what the way I looked at him. Yeah. I mean, I think like if you compare, let's obviously very different film, but like, let's compare alien, right? You know, that, cyborg robot also bled it was just a totally different color so i think for us we're able to humanize edward a bit more because it's red so it it resonates that that level of humanity right but if it were a different color i think we could say oh it's probably it's different that said i do think there's probably flesh of sorts you know maybe the first stem cells were used for this i love though that he has scars on him it's such a a little additional factor to Edward's look, but I think it's so important. Like if Edward didn't have scars on him, which clearly he's done to himself probably by accident, just little details, but they're so again, like so rich. Yeah. I think clearly there's a scene when he's not finished yet. He's like a torso. I don't think he even has arms. Yeah. And he's the inventor is teaching him out of a book. He's teaching him like poetry and he's giving him lessons on proper behavior. Mm-hmm. And Edward, well, I think when he tells Edward a joke, and Edward's face starts to kind of turn into a smile, mm-hmm. which makes me think he's part, he's a robot. But I think he's a robot created with human flesh. But then again, yeah. the term fable kind of gives it some leeway that it doesn't have to be realistic. I think I, I overthink a lot of these things. But also, I mean, to your point, like I I think it's a robot with some sort of human element. But we are getting the story somewhat third party you know we are not getting the story from the start we are also getting the story as the granddaughter is from an older kim so who knows who knows what um what's the term uh what leisure she took with telling the the tall tale as well yeah because what they say is when you tell a story you're not telling what happened you're telling the story of the last time you told the story yeah so Mm -hmm. sometimes things get lost in translation i'm curious to know what is your favorite scene in the film and if you could have something in the film done differently what would it be well clearly my my favorite scene is the ice dance i think that's just one of the most beautiful scenes in any movie i've seen Mm mm-hmm when you look at everything that led up to it. Yeah. And when I when I noticed the snow globes in her room, I realized that this is means this is not just her dancing in the snow because she's never seen it. This is like her dream, mm-hmm. you know, which completes the bond. And what would I have done differently? I'm sure there's something. And maybe I'm, it's just perfect for you. Honestly, yeah, there, there was... Oh, you know what? Another... It's not a great scene, but it it's it shows you how the town turned on him. There's this old man at the beginning when they go to the barbecue, mm-hmm. and he tells him, "He's like, don't let anyone call you a cripple. You know, I, I was in the war. I took some shots in the leg. You know, don't let anyone tell you're handicapped." And then later on in the movie, when Robert Oliveri, who's actually also he's from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, mm-hmm. and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Yeah. Anyway, so he's walking home, and that same old man now says, "Where's that cripple?" You know, this shows you how yeah. the whole town just completely turned against him. 
Yeah. You know, kind of a very, it's, it is important, but yeah, maybe I could have done without that, or maybe I could have done with it being worded a bit differently. It feels like harsh statements, both in both scenes, respectively, where the rest of the film is not so sharp, you know, sharp to the tongue. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to think. I honestly don't know what I would have changed. It, you know, it's it could be considered a perfect film, and in my opinion, I'm sure your opinion. So good. Yeah, I, I think it's it's quite a perfect film. I think if I really had to dig deep and think what would I change, um, I would probably change the cookie making robots because they're really sloppy. They don't do a good job of, of cutting out the dough, but yeah. that's that's it like that you know is so small uh otherwise yeah i just think it's such a wonderful film you know what's interesting too and i'm curious because this movie came out in 1990 and um nightmare before christmas came out in 93 but i know that movie took several years to create Mm -hmm. but there's this one like statue that's in the inventor's house Mm -hmm. it looks just like oogie boogie and i'm curious if that's just something that tim burton had created or drawn Right when Peg is looking at the house for the first time and she's walking around and seeing all the creepy things, this thing looks just like Oogie Boogie. I mean, have you seen, did you ever go, this was now, what was it, like 15 years ago also, when Tim Burton had, was it the MoMA? I forget, but he had his a whole gallery displaying his art. Did you get to go and see all of his illustrations and drawings? I mean- so much of what is in the films are based on these illustrations. They're they're quite extraordinary and really on some of them are so unsettling. So I could certainly believe that whatever was done was kind of reinvented, if you will, for further in endeavors. So definitely. And now I have to watch it again and notice that. All right. A funny story about Edward Scissorhands. So Ooh. years ago, I had a, a short lived substitute teaching career. And I would do, I was an elementary school substitute teacher. So, you know, the kind of respect that that, <laughs> that, that got. Uh-huh. So I ended up being the, the substitute teachers who always put on movies. Because, okay. You're oh the God. fun one. You wanted yeah, to Yeah. Because at one point when I, when I got to the end of the line, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put on movies. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be that guy. So it was winter time. So I brought in Edward Scissorhands. Like, That's a fun movie to put on. No. Keep in mind, these kids were probably like third or fourth grade. So I put on Edward Scissorhands, and I know it was rated PG-13, but I couldn't remember. Like, there's no nudity. There's really no cursing. Yeah. So I put on Edward Scissorhands. We're maybe about an hour in, and I forgot about the scene that takes place at the salon when the, oh. the woman uses Edward Scissors to, like, undo her yeah. blouse. And she like seduces them on the chair. Yep. And of course, my time and the principal walks in. And she's like, what are we watching? I was like, oh, hey, sorry. I forgot the scene was in the movie. <laughs> Oops. And all the kids were like, oh, they were so excited about what they had just seen. And I'm like, okay, I won't be back Monday. Yep. I'm fired. Were, were you fired then? No, no, no. I think oh. she liked me. Liked me enough to like not read me out in front of the kids. So Oh my god. But I I didn't I totally forgot. I always thought of it as like a beautiful movie. I forgot that 
that scene was in there. Yeah, that's a big one to uh, forget. But also, I mean, like, what? How old were the kids? Third grade. What is that? Like oh, nine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they won't forget it. I'm sure none of them ever forgot it. Yeah. So you're now that- a part of their lore. They tell they tell their friends about their substitute teacher who let them watch that film. Yeah, it's a, it's like that meme, though. It's like the movie when you're watching it alone, it's like a bunch of talking. And then the movie when your parents walk in, it's like the, the one sex scene. Always, always <laughs> so annoying. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> yeah. All right, back to the movie. There's so much symbolism in this movie that, you know, I don't want to bore everyone going into too much of it. But there's... A simple aspect of, you know, Edward, he has that white shirt they put him in. They're trying to humanize him. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, as the movie progresses, there's the shirt becomes more torn. Yep. And then finally, when he's had it and he's running away, running back up to his house because the town turned against him, he rips it off. He's like shredding mm-hmm. the humanity that they forced upon him. Just so good. There's so many aspects to that movie. Such a whimsical movie. The soundtrack is whimsical. It's just... Oh, I think it's Tim Burton's best. Yeah. I that think says a really... lot. He's done a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's better than Willy Wonka. Right. You know. But anyways, like... <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Funny you mentioned that. There's a... Did you watch the Super Bowl commercial a couple of years ago? I, maybe. I'm not I'm not sure which one. I guess it's a Willy Wonka one that you're referring to. Well, no. It's actually an Edward Scissorhands commercial. They had uh, Winona Ryder reenacting Kim, or she... I mean... No, doing her character Kim, and they kind of the commercial was done as if this was her and Edward's son, and it was actually played by the guy that played Willy Wonka in the new movie, like, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, he plays Edward in this commercial, or Edward Junior in this commercial. Oh, I need to find this. It's on YouTube. Check it out. Oh, you would love it. They have the original soundtrack, and she she she's playing Kim. It's it's really it's a car commercial. It, it was for um. It was actually very clever. It was for. A, a handless car like one of those automatic cars like a tesla uh i know the they drive that, on their own you don't remember the cars i don't think they make them anymore because they were they had some accidents but there was a car that was supposed to be driverless oh the google ones i do remember those were from several years ago they were yeah. trying to get those mainstream yeah i can't remember the um that company but check it out on youtube it's really cool it's just seeing her playing kim again oh it's so good she can also, I mean, just really, she does no wrong. I just love her so much. I'm so glad she got a career resurgence with the Stranger Things. Yeah, me so too. Good. And she's been in some good films since then as well. So yeah, I'm definitely so, so happy that she was in that. Even her little role in, in Black Swan was so good. So yeah, she's so versatile and just so good. And in this film, I just love her. And she, the real life Winona Ryder aged way better than Kim did in that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> As the grandma that she's revealed to be. Yeah. She looks amazing yeah. in real life. Ugh. Yeah. Actually, back to the grandma. There's actually those snow globes I mentioned earlier are actually in the granddaughter's room, which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. Again, okay. something I didn't pick up on until at least a dozen viewings of the movie. Please never make a sequel. Please never also re do a reimagining of this film, please. It's yeah, honestly, it's a, it's a perfect movie. Yeah. yeah, Tim Burton smartly left this alone. That you know really kind of got rid of any chance of a sequel by making a, like a 60, 70 year time jump. Yeah. So yeah, thank so you. Good. 
Although it, it, it is heartbreaking that Kim never went to visit him. I know, but if she had, she would have given him up. And that speaks to her love. You know, sometimes you have to let go of the thing that you love the most. Although they do also fall in love very quickly. Yeah. But she knows that him coming down is what created all the issues. So it was like she she probably really, really wanted to be with him. But she knows that the heartbreak it would bring him by, you know, getting back in his life. So it's really a, a sad but beautiful ending. Yeah. Also, I didn't even say... I was so hopeful for this movie that I actually wore my Edward Scissorhands sweat. Uh, ah, you, you willed it into existence. I willed it. I manifested it. Yeah. I was so excited. I'm so hopeful. So I'm so glad that we got to speak about this film and yeah. end this episode on it as well. Yeah, so good. Oh, I can keep going on and on about Edward Scissorhands. You know. But next week, we'll get back to Bloody and Gore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we did talk about some of that. And there was blood in this film. Yeah, there was. There's 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 a death. A good a good a, an on-screen violent death. Yeah. Yeah. That's Very you know, gothic trappings. It ended up again like Frankenstein. It ended up with a battle in the gothic castle at the end with the townspeople mm -hmm. underneath shouting for the death of the monster. Yeah. 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 So if you haven't seen it check it out like even though we just spoiled the movie it's still yeah. so worth watching yeah so good and for those of you tired of hearing us talk about a love story and a horror podcast <laughs> this movie's worth it yeah yeah absolutely so we'll get back to Do blood and gore and yeah, yeah we'll get back to blood and gore next week i promise <laughs> i think this was the only like non-official horror movie that we had in our magic hat so yeah, I think so. Yeah. But you, you yeah. talked about it so much last time, and I love the movie, too. I was like, okay, we got to put it in the hat. Hopefully yeah. It'll pop up at one point. Yeah, I'm so glad yeah. that you did. Kind of a mixed bag of um, Frozen, <laughs> 30 Days of <laughs> Night, and then Dead Versus Her Hands. But there's snow in all of them. That is the... And you know, you know what? You can blame the the people getting stuck on this chair, the, the chairlift. On Edward Scissorhands. He's That's the villain in that story. Because without him, it wouldn't have snowed. That's right. Yeah. You know that that was a real town that they filmed Edward Scissorhands in? It wasn't a set? Was it Levittown? <laughs> What's Levittown? Wait, Levittown's on Long Island, but all the homes are, are structured kind of the same. Okay. Now, this was in Florida, believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. I'm, actually, the colors, I can kind of believe it. Yeah. So if you look on the internet, you can kind of see where it is like then versus today. I just assumed that this was a set because it looks like kind of um, fantastical, you know, all the different colors and, you know, all the wires are hidden. I just assumed this thing was a set, but no, it's just, that was a real place you can still visit today. I always thought it was actually a set. I always thought it was for the most part a full set. Also because of that one house that has like early on, there's the one house that's under construction and it's covered in the orange and like, what is it? Like turquoise right, yeah. um, fabric or whatever. So it just always looked like this fantastical type of set. So I can't even, I'm shocked that it's actually even remotely real. No, it's great. That whole neighborhood all agreed to let their houses be in this movie. 
you know, what great neighbors that they all were like, yeah, let's do it. it sounds like a good movie, you know? I would allow any filmmaker to do that yeah, <laughs> as and well. You have. Like, that's true. I have, but that's really fun. It's it's then collaborative for them. And also then they get to tell all their friends, like, look, the house is on, on this, you know? I think that's really cool. Yeah, they, they probably ups the resale value. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's it for today. We can keep going on and on, but um, there's plenty more great winter horror movies for next time to discuss for us to pull out of the magic hat. Any last thoughts on today's movies? Go watch them all. Honestly, this was a really fun episode. Those three little surprises, all great films that will suit different needs depending on what you want to watch. So all three, excellent. Go watch them. Yeah, if there's any movies that you want us to cover, you know, send us a message on our Instagram if there's anything you really want us to cover. Um, we're going to kind of stick to winter movies for the next couple weeks, but let us know your suggestions. So send, send us a message on our Instagram at scared underscore stiff underscore films. And again, remind people where they could find you, Dalen. On Instagram, it's ghoul underscore whip. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. Come say hello. Absolutely. This has been another episode of the Scared Stiff Horror Podcast. We'll see you guys all next week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.